Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about contract offer amps, how and why a contract can end before the actual end of the period of performance. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. If your organization is interested in training from a team of former contracting officers, visit askskyway.com and learn more about how Skyway can help both government and industry teams with the acquisition and contract execution process. Okay, let's get started with contract offer amps. We talk a lot on the podcast about how to get a contract, but we rarely talk about how to get out of a contract. They're not really etched in stone. Just like there can be many ways to get one, there are many ways to get out of one. So we're going to talk today about how to purposefully get out of a contract and also a little bit about how to accidentally get out of a contract. (laughs) Before we do that, let's stop and say thanks. I'll say thanks this time to Loretta Tucker. Loretta is a project accountant at Lidos, and she's in Tucson, Arizona, which I think is a new pin on the map for us. And it's gorgeous out there, by the way. Thank Loretta for liking and sharing our content on LinkedIn. The best way for people to find this content that we're giving away for free is for people to share the content on social media. Thanks, Loretta. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about the fact that contracts have ways to end the contract before performance is complete, built right into the contract structure. And you just referred to that as an off-ramp, kind of like the off-ramp on a highway, freeway, on a road, whatever you want to call the, the, the thing your vehicle is driving on. There are many ways that getting out of a contract is built right into the contract structure, and we're going to go through a few of them here. The first and most obvious is the option. There's a whole separate podcast on options, so I won't get into details there, but it's just what it sounds like. The government has the option of whether or not to continue performance. And they don't have any obligation to continue the contract. Under the option clause, it's an off-ramp. It's a really obvious one. Another way an off-ramp can be built into the contract is If you have a multiple award IDIQ contract, and again, there's an episode for that as well. And IDIQ stands for Indefinite Delivery, Indefinite Quantity. Right, right. I should have said that. I I jumped right into acronym land. (laughs) A multiple award IDIQ gives the government the opportunity to award orders. They don't have to award any more once they meet the minimum. And if if it's multiple award, if there's many different contractors that are on this IDIQ, and they're competing in the future for new awards, they never have to award to you again. And they may even have a requirement like GSA contracts, for example, that if you don't have a certain amount of business go through that contract, it self-terminates, but it basically expires. Because you weren't using it, we're not going to administratively keep it. Right, right. Another way that the work could end, maybe not the specific contract, sometimes the government has a history of issuing follow-on contracts, Especially in the services world, we have contracts to provide services, and then there's another contract to provide the same services, and another contract to provide the same services. So this isn't really an off-ramp within the contract itself, but it is a way that the government could off-ramp working with your company if they aren't happy with you. Because a logical follow-on is a reason to award to the same company, and they could decide to not do that anymore. (laughs) Just like they were deciding to do it before, they can undecide. Right, they have to be able to justify it, and there's many reasons why they might not want to continue performance. Another way the government can use the contract structure to not continue performance is if you have a direct source award. So if, for example, 
you are a certified 8A contractor, and we have an episode on that. I'm saying that a lot this time. We have a lot of episodes. If you're an 8A contractor and you received a sole source award that was justified due to your 8A status as a small business, remember that the government could decide to award sole source to another 8A. It was easy to get to you. It's just as easy to get to someone else. All right, now we're getting to the heavy stuff. Built into every government contract, there's a couple clauses. One is called termination for convenience. E for C, to make sure we tie the acronym to that. The other one is termination for default. Aptly called T for D, which is something you don't want to have happen to you. Right. So T for C is a nice way for the government to say, we don't want you to work anymore. And because they're nice... They stop you from working, but they have to pay termination costs. And the FAR goes through all kinds of detail about what kind of costs are allowable for terminations. And we have an episode about that. Yeah, we do. Same with T for D. We have an episode about that. In this case, the government's really mad termination for default. And they say, you are done and we're not paying you anything. So this is unique to the government world. There's not many commercial contracts where either side gets the right just to stop for any reason. Unless one side really has a whole lot of power in the negotiation. This is where the government has all the power. You might notice all the things that we talked about here, the ways out of the contract are on the government side. If you want to do business with the government, you have to accept that they can decide not to do business with you anytime they want. It's built right into your contract. So that's ways to get out of a contract. Let's shift over to reasons why the government or industry might want to get out of a contract that they signed. On the government side, the need may no longer exist. If you're the State Department and there's a hot spot somewhere in the world, or if you're Department of Defense, I guess, you might have a need for translators or linguists on site. If that hot spot becomes no longer hot, you might not have a need for linguists anymore. You might have already written a contract for a year's worth of support, and six months in, you don't need anybody to translate. If the need for those linguists no longer exists at the end of the performance period, the easiest off-ramp is to not exercise the option. If that need goes away in the middle of the contract performance, then the quote-unquote easiest off-ramp is to do a termination for convenience. Another reason an off-ramp might be needed is that the funding no longer exists. The customer wants it, the, the contractor wants to perform it, but the funding is off the cut line. There, there wasn't enough funding to do all the great things we want, and this one didn't make didn't make the, the budget, right? Um, or Congress decided to stop funding it, whatever reason. There's no longer any funding. So therefore, this contract cannot perform. Again, if the funding no longer exists for the next year of performance and you have an option type contract, you don't exercise that option because there's no funding. If for some reason you have a contract that's incrementally funded and in the middle of the year that funding is, is pulled to, to do something else, there's a neat clause in the contract that says the government is only liable up to the current amount of funding so they could terminate for convenience when their funding runs out. Now, the most common reason why the government would want to get out of a contract is poor performance by the contractor. They're not living up to the terms of the contract. The mission still requires whatever the contract was for, but the government starts to realize they're not going to get it or they're not going to get it when they thought they were going to get it. And the mechanisms to get out of their contract for poor performance include the ones we've talked about, options, not exercising the option and the T for C. But now we also get into things like they're not going to do the logical follow-on. They're not going to go through with that J&A. They're going to direct source the 8A contract to somebody else. 
the other parties on this multiple award or blanket purchase agreement or whatever it is, those other companies are going to now start getting the awards instead of you. They can start to work their way around or they can be more draconian, direct, I'm not sure what the right word is, and go through the, the, the cure notice and the T for D process to say, okay, we are taking this contract from you. That's an extreme step that it's a lot of work nobody wants to get to, but all of these paths start with poor performance. You may notice at this point that we've been talking about all the ways that the government has the power to end a contract if they're not happy. Industry doesn't get set up with that same amount of power in a government contract, but there are ways that industry can get out of a contract they've signed if they choose to. Why would they want to do that? Well, a company may want to exit a market. They may decide that they no longer strategically want to do a certain type of work. How would they exit that market for existing contracts? Well, they could negotiate a settlement with the government to stop working. Could be could be expensive, could could make people mad. They could also sell that work to another contractor, which requires the government's consent in most cases. It's innovation and we have a podcast episode about that too. Industry could also find that the work has become unprofitable. Maybe the market conditions have changed, and they can no longer make money doing this work, completing the work. So rather than go into the hole and potentially go out of business, they could stop the bleeding by negotiating with the government a settlement, a way out. Or there's a conflict of interest that's been created by the contractor winning a particular contract that now creates a conflict of interest with the work they already had. Now they have to get out of it. That's a great environment for government and industry to communicate over. The government does not want conflicts of interest, which, by the way, OCI stands for Organizational Conflict of Interest. The government does not want an OCI. Neither does a contractor. So there's a scenario where we got to get this contract off of Company X because Company X has a conflict of interest. The way you do that is these variety of off-ramps. But that's why industry would need to get out of it because they, they can't have that conflict because they're violating other rules <laughs> that have more consequences. It's not just winning a new contract that could create a conflict. You may not want to bid if you're going to create a conflict for yourself. Sometimes it's acquisition. When my company was acquired by another company, we created a conflict on some of the work that they had in the acquisition, and they understood that. So we had to all go into the government customer together and sit down and say, hey, I'm developing something. They're providing CETA support, systems engineering, and technical assistance support. We need to not do this anymore. So we are going to divest that CETA support to allow us to do the development work. And the customer was fine with it as long as we had a plan. We actually basically passed the people that were doing the work off to another company. So the government got the same people that they had before without the conflict. And all that happened because of communication. Let's stop that. Why else might industry want to get out of a contract? Here's one I hadn't thought about as a contracting officer. Am I a difficult customer? Yeah. The government is a difficult customer, meaning that they are not easy to deliver for. Nothing's ever good enough. Uh, they want to negotiate the profit out of everything. All of those are reasons that the contractor is looking for an off-ramp. That's a weird scenario, but it happens. I can tell you a couple of stories of it happening with our customers. So it does happen. If it becomes a nightmare to administer. Yeah. Oof. We should do a podcast about customer selectivity. That's part of, <laughs> part of targeting. And so keep in mind on, on the government side, you may not realize that if you're a high maintenance customer, they may be looking for an off ramp. 
Oh, I have this, I have this creeping fear that I was a difficult customer. <laughs> so do I. That's why I didn't see it when I was a CEO, but I'm sure I had a couple of companies that thought, oh, really glad we got that contract over there. <laughs> All right, we forgot to talk about when this occurs. When are we talking about getting out of a contract? Obviously, this is after award. So this is in the execution time zones. It starts right with the honeymoon zone. Although, if you just had a contract awarded and one side is already thinking about how to get out of it, you're in for a fun ride. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a rough start. But it's really, it's the performance zone and hopefully not the recompete zone right at the end of the contract where you're trying to get out of it at the end. There's got to be easier ways if it's almost done, but it's really across all the execution time zones. And the reason it might be in the recompete zone is that some of those examples we gave, if the work's no longer there, if the work's changed yeah. significantly, that now the same acquisition strategy we used with those options doesn't apply. Or yeah. maybe a multiple award doesn't make sense anymore. Right. That maybe people who are, you may off-ramp a few of the companies. So that's when you're having that conversation or, or should be. So why is this so important, Kevin? Off-ramps rarely have a re-entry. Uh, driving across I-275, which goes across Tampa Bay down here in Florida. And when you're coming westbound, there's a big sign that says you know, what, what, something along the lines of when you exit here, you can't get back on. I think it says no reentry uh, southbound. <laughs> so you know, it, 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 the way that these off ramps work is that you're not likely to be able to get back on the highway once you get off ramp. Yeah, if you're on the industry side and you don't perform well and the government off ramps you via a termination for default, as we talked about in the T4D episode, that's a permanent black mark on your record. If it's a termination for convenience, eh, not so bad. That that may be something that you negotiated your way out of. If they don't exercise an option, they may still have reasons why they didn't exercise the option and have reasons on future evaluations of your past performance to say, we don't want to work with these guys anymore. And, and on the government side, if you're off-ramping people as a habit, like you, you get a you get a reputation <laughs> for off-ramping <laughs> companies, you may not get the best companies bidding. So you know, this is not something you just do. The best way to avoid off-ramps is to focus on performance. Right. If performance is going well, it's very, very unlikely that either side is going to be thinking about an off-ramp. Probably the only reason is if the budget is cut or the requirement goes away, then, then neither side would want to continue performance. Well, industry would want to continue performance, but the government wouldn't want to continue performance. But if things are going well, it's unlikely that either side is, is even thinking that there's any reason to stop. Key factor here is how do you understand that things are going well? And that's why it's important to have communication. Because if you're not communicating over what the definition of well is, it should be well defined in the contract. But regardless, you shouldn't get a CPAR, a poor CPARS rating. CPARS is Contractor Performance Assessment Reporting System, which we have a podcast about. You shouldn't get a contract efficiency report as a surprise. This communication should be happening. And this, this goes both ways. Government should not be dropping these bombs on people without them seeing them coming. Hey, before we get specific about the government side, we forgot to do a little far time. We talked about the government's off-ramp options and how they're built into the contract, but didn't actually mention where. So if we're talking options, the option clause uh, 52.217-9, 217-9, option to extend the term of the contract, it says right there, the government may extend the term of this contract by written notice. It does not commit them to extend the term of the contract. And if you're a direct source, like a, an 8A contract, it's e easy-ish 
to award to an 8A contractor without competition because you can do a direct source. However, keep in mind that the contracting officer or the government can easily award, again, easy-ish, to another 8A just like they awarded to you. So performance matters always. So the power that the FAR gives to the contracting officer to skip competition and award directly to an 8A also gives them a power to not award to you again if they're not happy. You just got off-ramped without even knowing it. (laughs) All right, back to the government side. Why does the government care about off-ramps? Contracts are negotiable even after award. And performance is one of the things that causes negotiation to happen. So don't settle for subpar performance and don't deliver (laughs) subpar performance because, as we've talked about, there are multiple off-ramps in every contract. If the contractor's not meeting the requirements of the contract, you might think the government's only option is to say, we're going to end this contract and recompete it or award to someone else. That may be the most painful route. It could be to the benefit of the government and the contractor to negotiate less than what was originally expected by by the contract. The government might find that the easiest thing to do is to settle for a little bit less performance and get some consideration for the contractor for delivering a little bit less than they originally agreed to, rather than just canceling it and starting over. And again, communication is a huge part of this. Yeah. Going, going back to the to the no no southbound reentry. So I-275 is a sunny, beautiful day. You're driving across Tampa Bay. Contractors driving along thinking everything's fine. And then somebody in a semi like nudges them onto the off-ramp without they even knowing. They just <laughs> push off the road. Well, what just happened? I mean, it was it's a beautiful day here in Florida. Well, so government side, turn on your turn signal before you push them off down the off-ramp. <laughs> sure that they know that's why we have things like a cure notice and we have things like a contractor deficiency report. We have a process and and those are extreme examples even, but it could be something as simple as an email of here's a problem we have, but it's very easy to say, Oh, well, let's just terminate. That's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) It's an easy threat, but it's messy. Yeah. We had a contract from a company we acquired where the rates were really low and there were huge challenges in staffing it. The government was very unhappy with our ability to staff it and therefore perform. And we were unhappy with our ability to staff it and therefore perform. So the government actually made a few threats. They, they communicated well and said, we are not happy. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to terminate you if you can't staff it. Instead of saying, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. We ended up talking to them and saying, look, the way that this was negotiated, the way this was was proposed, all the conditions that it was based on have changed, and it's really this is not a viable way to do business. We're not going to be able to staff it. So instead of terminating us for default, with giving us that permanent black mark, or terminating us for convenience, they chose not to exercise the next option period. So they really did terminate us, but it was it was an agreed to termination by the easiest way, just not exercise the option and the contract goes away. Is that a soft landing? <laughs> <laughs> it still felt pretty hard. Yeah. It's still a thud, but the thud's not as loud. So I'm already sort of talking about the industry side. It's no fun to be offering for any reason. Like I'm just talking about because you have a contract that all of the economic, all of the the market conditions have changed and it's no longer viable. That stinks. But it's even worse if it's a surprise. An unplanned off-ramp means that, oh no, now we might have to lay off people because we don't have any other plan for what work they're going to do. 
huge cash flow problems potentially, especially if you're a small business and there's not a lot of other work to fill in the the holes. And then you have to reallocate resources. And to your point, if you're a small business, you may have nowhere to reallocate them to other than right. the unemployment, as harsh as that sounds. But even as a large business, you got to move people around and, and it could be production line. It could be people. It depends on the contract. But reallocating resources is very difficult to do on the fly. Not to mention the fact that on the industry side, and this is something I never thought about as a contracting officer. If I gave somebody a surprise off ramp, how likely are they to bid at my agency again? Yeah, it makes you think twice. When they're expected, when the off ramp is expected or anticipated, whatever the word is, they're easier. They're not easy to manage. Like you said, they suck no matter what. Let's say the incumbent contractor doesn't win the, the follow on or the follow on contract. So they know the ending is coming. They can make plans. They can resource. They, you know, people can start looking for a job because they know they got like six months or a year before they're, they're going to be out. That's an example of an off ramp because that's that contract's not being reawarded to them. So even if it's not competed, that, that process is slower. Everybody knows that that they need to be moving to other things. That's easier to manage. Again, still stinks. We've done episodes about how to handle that. But it's not nearly as harsh as, holy crap, we don't have this work today. Right. We had it yesterday. That's a bad place to be. So that's a bad place to be. But I think we're at a good place to be, which is the place where we wrap this up. <laughs> You're so witty. On the government side, don't tolerate poor performance, but communicate when you're going to use an off-ramp. There are plenty of off-ramps. Not all the contractors know about all of them. Don't expect a small business to know what a T for C clause really says unless they've had time to read it. There are times that you're going to surprise them. Don't surprise them. Let them know what's going on. On the industry side, don't underperform. It's kind of simple, right? Given the number of off-ramps that we've gone through, and we haven't hit all of them, we hit some of them, underperformers can be replaced or just eliminated. And that sounds kind of harsh, but the purpose of a contract is to get the product or service to support the mission. If that's not happening, the contracting officer's customer is pounding on the desk saying, why am I stuck with this contract? It's not delivering. Even if it took a while to award the contract and it may take a while to recompete it is the argument. There is a way to terminate the contract that's not working and do a sole source contract, a bridge contract to somebody else who can do the work to keep it going. Because remember, the contract is focused on delivering for the mission. So the message here is don't underperform or you may get nudged down the off-ramp. And it might be a surprise. Right. Great performers rarely get off-ramped, like we said, unless funding or the requirement really changes. If you're performing well, you're not going to get off-ramped. But remember, proper communication, great communication with context shared by both sides can help get through less than great performance. Sometimes things happen. Sometimes challenges come up that no one expected. You got to communicate about them. Great peril lies in poor or apathetic performance combined with poor communication. If you're not doing well and neither side is talking about it, there may be an unanticipated off-ramp in your future. And and I think we should do a future episode about things go badly that shouldn't result in an off-ramp. With communication, because there are problems that pop up in contracts that are outside of control. But if, if the communication isn't there for the government to understand that the problem was out of the contractor's control, their reaction is going to be looking for an off-ramp. Yeah. So that episode is how to stay on the highway. Yeah. Maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, put, we'll cue that one up for later. All right. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. That's it for this episode. If you need help with contract off-ramps, 
visit askskyway.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, it makes you think twice. Makes you think twice. I shouldn't have said that twice. That's, That's why weird. it's funny. <laughs>